Welcome to the 28th episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. Guys, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Boston Red Sox, the team that we podcast about since April, since the beginning of the season, are World Series champs. It was an absolute grind. It was so euphoric. It was a cathartic experience, and I can't stop saying it. The Red Sox are the 2018 World Series champions. So joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Dave Latham. Dave, how excited are you? We did it. We did it. I can't believe it, although I totally can. This team was amazing from start to finish, but we actually did it. It's phenomenal, and I, I'm just so happy. I'm on cloud nine, and I think, Pat, you, me, and Chris, we deserve a little bit of credit here because 100% of the years that we podcast about the Red Sox, they win the World Series. <laughs> that is, yeah, I didn't think about it like I was that. Gonna, I was going to say right. that. I was going to say that. You ruined it. <laughs> Every single year. Every single year. I can't wait for year two. We're just, we're year. just that good at it. We're, we're just that good. They, they listen to our podcast. You know that that's why they're so successful, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's why Joe Kelly was left off the postseason roster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're good at our takes. Bobby but, Pointer. Okay, He's the hero. Bob, yeah, that, that was our guy, Bobby Pointer. But also joining us uh, is Chris Drozine. Chris, you've already said hi, but say hi again, formally. Hey. Hey, hey. hey. So, yeah, this this episode is just going to be one of joy, bliss, passion, and it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be a little different. We're going to save most of our forward-thinking free agency scenarios until next week. This is celebration and reflection of what was an incredible season, and I feel like that's honestly what it should be about. So we're, we're still going to run through a couple of the games, talk about the big moments, but at the end, we're just going to wrap it up with just a, a celebration because this team is so freaking good. Perhaps the best Red Sox. Let, let, let's get this out of the way now. Is this the best Boston Red Sox team you have ever seen in your lifetime? Dave, I'm going to start with you. Honestly, yes, and it's not even that close. I love the 04 Sox, love the 07 Sox, love the 13 Sox, but this team was something special. We won 108 games in the regular season without even trying for the last month, month and a half of the season. And then in the playoffs, we only lost three games despite the a, the American League being incredibly top-heavy. We went through 200-win teams, and we went 7-2 and two against them. And then we kind of just... You know, took the Dodgers out and only one game was even in question. And it, it took them 18 innings to beat us. I mean, this is the best team I've ever seen, like, from the Red Sox. And honestly, I think you got to start thinking about putting them in, like, the historical great teams. Like, the 98 Yankees are really the only thing that comes close in my mind, like, recent memory. Yeah, definitely. Uh, big Red Machine, a little bit. Oh, but that's a little far back. Uh, what was it, the 1998 Seattle Mariners or 2000 Seattle Mariners? They, they didn't. They they got the regular season wins, but they couldn't yeah, they the couldn't get the ALTS. That, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. they were losers. That count. If you can't win at they all, were, who cares? That, losers. That is true. That just seems like it's undercuts. They were so good, you know. And then the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't win the whole enchilada, but that was. They didn't even come close. I know they didn't come close, but that was a special team. Even though I don't remember it much, I've looked at the statistics. They were stacked. Uh, what what about you, Chris? Best Red Sox team in history? I've only been following the team for. Uh, this year, so yeah, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, the, the, the they are. I, I, it's hard to find it for all like the negative talk and all of that bad stuff that we heard about. 
I, they put it to they put it to rest. They've literally walked through the playoffs. They're like, what they they lost a game in every series, and that was it. And it was just yep. like it's just like we're yep. just gonna you know kind of sort of walk right through this and little to no opposition. There wasn't that much like there wasn't that much uh, fighting going on from the other teams. They just kind of laid down and died for the Red Sox. They they literally lay down and die. They did damage to everyone they faced, including the Yankees. Love you, Brian Cashman. Just kidding, I don't. Um, <laughs> this this was an ep- like since I've I, I'm younger than you guys too, so I probably have less Red Sox viewing in my lifetime. Um, I've had about eighteen, uh, probably like fourteen, thirteen, twelve conscious years where I could somewhat understand most. No, I mean, like, I'm underselling five-year-old me. But um, I would say 2004, obviously, was epic, but I was six, so I couldn't really appreciate that as much. But that team obviously probably served a more nostalgic and more freeing purpose. But in terms of which team is the best, I don't know how you go against this 2018. Maybe 2004 was more important. But this 2018 team... Won 108 games. And, like, I know everyone says that, but we need to repeat. They won 108 games. And as Dave said, they weren't trying for a month and a half. And they were starting Zooey Lynn, pitching Williams Cuevas. They were starting Sam Travis. They didn't care the last month and a half. I mean, they cared, but they were resting. No, they didn't. No, they didn't really care. Yeah, don't even go there. And then they go to the playoffs, and people were a little afraid. Could they be rusty? They haven't, you know, gotten a good momentum going into the playoffs. And they just steamrolled 200-win teams. New York Yankees wiped them out, annihilated them. Houston Astros, defending World Series champions, they absolutely killed them. And then the Los Angeles Dodgers came around, and that was probably even worse than the, what they did to the Astros. So, uh, yes, this is the best Boston. And Red Sox team. It was sheer dominance all around. I think uh, their run differential and base runs, as we talked about before the podcast, does not serve them justice of just how fearsome and how good this Red Sox team actually was. So, congrats again, guys. Um, but let's let's get down to breaking this down a little bit. So, game one started. It was an eight to four victory by the Boston Red Sox, and we're just going to go over some key highlights <coughs> each. Um, the thing that stuck out in this one to me was certainly the Eduardo Nunez home run. I don't know how you can think of it as anything else. The pinch-hitting decision um, that at first evoked some head-scratching among Red Sox fans. Why would you take out Raphael Devers, who is hitting like a beast throughout the postseason in the World Series for Eduardo Nunez, who uh, is significantly worse offensive player than him? And then Eduardo Nunez uh, hits a three-run home run off the left-handed pitcher Alex Wood. Makes the game out of reach. Eduardo Nunez is the hero. And we all look stupid yet again. Alex Cora made us look stupid yet again. What were your thoughts when this Eduardo Nunez was hit, Dave? This home run. So if you follow the Twitter feed, um, right as it was happening, I saw Nunez like, you know, get into the on-deck circle, and I tweeted out, I think it was, quote, if we're pinch-hitting Devers for Nunez, we deserve everything we get. And then, you know, we got a three-run homer, so I guess we deserve really good things. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't get it. Like, And that was just what makes the season so special. It's like, you know, Cora knew exactly when to use analytics, and Cora knew, knew exactly when to use his gut. Every single time, just about, he was right. It was amazing, and just another part of this magical season that was just, you know, start to finish, just so awesome. 
even spring training. We were the best spring training team around. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We were pretty good in spring training, weren't we? I, I don't care yeah, anything like a, about spring training, but, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we, we killed that, too. We were since March. What, what about you, Curtis? What are your thoughts on this Eddie Nunez three-run Jaeger bomb? Do you want me to be honest? Yes, of course. How honest do you want me to be? Uh, as honest as possible, probably. I don't know, actually. Yeah, you go go for it. I, I was asleep. Oh, <laughs> Chris, not that <laughs> there was This a... is now a two-person podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally, I, I literally like, uh, I, I was asleep for a couple hours in the middle there. And, uh, <laughs> kind of embarrassing, but, you know, guys got to work and whatnot, so. Um, but, yeah. but, but uh, no, I... But I went back and watched it because that's what I do. Um, I it, it just speaks so Cora all year, just like it, people said stuff and Cora did other stuff, and he just kept pulling the right levers. Just the guy, just like everything he touched turned to gold. I, I've never seen anything like it. It was it was something to watch. Yeah, and I think there does come the question. I mean, like, you can't question it when it works out. And sometimes that's randomness. Sometimes that's maybe the gut showing things that the analytics don't, which is something that Alex Cora has been lauded by all of his uh, players for having that special knack to just mediate the two um, old-school and new-school approaches. But, yeah, that process looked a little head-scratching, but it was a little tune advantage for Nunez, too. It was um, going for him. So I understood it a little bit, but then again, Devers' bat has just been so fearsome. And like he's been not like last season. I don't know about this season as much. He was really good against left-handed hitters. But regardless, it was a decision that worked out perfectly. Eduardo Nunez uh, absolutely killed it. Good for you, Eddie. Uh, probably come back this year. We might talk about this later um, on this podcast or the next one. But um, yeah, do you have any other thoughts from game one, Dave? Chris Sale. Um. Yeah, Sale pitched, but those aren't the happy thoughts, and I'm sticking with the happy thoughts exclusively for this podcast. So, nope, that's it. the World Series. Yeah, okay. What about you, Chris? Uh, No thoughts. Okay, game two. This was the beginning of Dave Price's uh, torrid World Series. He pitched two. He started two games, and he was absolutely lights out in both. Um, More so in his most recent start, but he was really good in, in this one, too. Um, David Price is just man. He he what? He allowed two earned runs in three and three hits in an even six innings of work. He punched out five and walked three. It was a thing of beauty, especially against the, this Dodgers lineup that was even better than the Astros statistically. So you were really impressed when he what he did against the Astros, and then you're like, okay, well he just did that against arguably a better lineup. And uh, yeah, this was a really Good game for the Red Sox. There wasn't a lot of exciting offense. It was more a couple of singles and then some miscues. But yeah, this 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 was a. It was like the JD Martinez dropped the clutch single into right field, but it wasn't hard to hit. And then the bullpen started its dominance. Nathan Avoldi pitched his second game out of the bullpen. Joe Kelly action. Joe Kelly, mean Joe Kelly, Fight Club Joe Kelly. So there was a lot of good stuff going here, but. Uh, Dave Price stood out to me. What, what about you, Dave? Yeah, honestly, I can't even remember what the offense did. I know that we won because, you know, we won the game. But everything, all I remember about that game, the thing that really sticks out is just David Price doing it again after he gets his first 
uh, career postseason win, which I know that's not a, really a meaningful stat, but it's been a big monkey on his back. He gets the first postseason win in a fantastic start against the against the uh, Astros to clinch to clinch our trip to the World Series. He comes back out and then he just does it again. He he uh, takes down the Dodgers. It was a fantastic start and just shows like when this guy's on, there's really not too many in the league better than him. And he played his best baseball at the very best time, really dating all the way back to the regular season. Once sale went down in the second half of the year, Bryce was the ace of the staff. For sure. And I think uh, I think someone tweeted this. I don't know who it was. I've been looking through Red Sox Twitter all day because it's been that great. But someone tweeted to the fact of David Price had they quoted Price from 2015 after he signed. He said, I'm saving all of my postseason wins for Boston. People may have laughed, but they are laughing no longer because that's what he did. He saved them. Uh, well, well, what about you, Chris? What, what were your takeaways from game two, which was our second win, by the way? Easily the most run of the mill game. Of all of them, like it was just yeah, kind of like, pretty boring. Yeah, this it was kind of just like this Royal Series. Like, yeah, like this yeah. is the Royal Series. Great, sounds like fun. Uh, it just wasn't that much going on. Uneventful. Yeah, very, yeah. very uneventful. Uh, which I guess it's good and bad. The I, the only the only eventful thing was the fact that David Price again. People were thinking that he was going to lay an egg, but he didn't. So. And have you officially, I think we talked about last podcast, if Price pitched another good game in the World Series, you would never call him Tingle Fingers again? Has that, that passed? Has that actually come to fruition, Chris? I, I haven't called him Davey Tingle Fingers since. You haven't? Okay, good. Good, good. I will hold you, we'll hold you to that in 2019, too. I feel, like the, I feel like there was something else that I said as well. Did you? I feel like there was, but I don't remember what it was. we got to go back to... Tapes. Yeah, we're gonna have to because I think. Well, yeah, we'll, re- we'll review was, the tape. We have was, a long off season ahead. We'll there was definitively something that I said. <laughs> I don't <laughs> quite remember what it was, uh, but that might have been it. I, I don't know, but I'm hoping that that's it. Yeah. So at least you didn't say you would buy a Jackie Bradley Jr. jersey and then had to spend a hundred dollars like I did. But that was good. I'm happy I have that. Um, so yeah, game two, four to two victory. Let's move on to Game 3. This was um, a game that I don't really want to relive, but I mean, in retrospect, uh, it doesn't really matter anymore. This was a tough game for me emotionally and physically because I was so freaking tired. This this literally, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. before uh, the, the the morning before. So when this ended at 3.40, I had literally almost been up for 24 hours straight. So that was rough, but I, yeah, again, in retrospect, the Red Sox lost one game, so this doesn't matter. But this seemed to, like, just kill the momentum. Like, this was not a good game to lose, and they put their, uh, look, I think everyone was inspired by Nathan Avoldi's effort, his six-inning performance. He pitched masterfully. I was supposed to pitch game four, but he came in the 12th inning, and he pitched all the way to the 18th inning, shutting the Dodgers down by and large, and still got the loss. Thank you, Ian Kinsler. Uh, Rick Purcell also pitched in this game, but talk to me, Dave, about Nathan Avoldi and what this performance meant to the Red Sox in this game, despite the loss, and going forward to Game 4 and Game 5. So, so, if you have to, this game really spoke a lot about what type of team the Red, the 2018 Red Sox were and really what defined them, because if you lose a heartbreaking game in 18 innings, when your Game 4 starter can, can no longer pitch game four and they still lose 
I mean, that can break a team. It has situations like that have broken teams like countless times throughout the era across sports. But what really got me like after the game, because I'll admit I was not in a happy place at 3.30 in the morning when that Homer went through. But the next day when the tweets start coming in from the beat reporters saying that, you know, Alex Cora reported that Chris Sale, David Price, and even Rick Porcello, like, we, like right after the game was waiting outside of Cora's office to say, hey, start me tomorrow. Like Rick Porcello, who pitched game, th- who started game three, wanted to start game four. Just like all those guys laying it on the line. And really, it's all encapsulated by what Evaldi did, because that was one of the best appearances I've ever seen. I know that, you know, he ended up getting the loss. He gave up the run. But anyone who doesn't, like, have the utmost respect and admiration of Nathan Evaldi just doesn't know what they're watching. Because it was he was throwing 100 miles an hour on a day he wasn't supposed to pitch 90 pitches into his outing. We blew through everyone else in the bullpen except Drew Pomeranz, who, let's face it, that's an automatic loss. So it, it, was, it was really, you know, absolutely the team built off that energy and, you know, Porcello said it himself, it was one of the gutsiest, the, I think Porcello said it was the gutsiest pitching performance he'd ever seen. And I remember Kelly, game four or game five, he said, you know, he'd been waking up sore. And then he thought about what Evaldi must be feeling. And he thought, now I can tough it out if he can. So really, Nathan Evaldi, like we lost, but Nathan Evaldi gave that team so much energy. I think it powered us through games four and five. Yeah, I think Nathan Avoldi injected Warrior into every Red Sox member's DNA because he was a warrior that game. And again, I don't know if I said this, but the Red Sox lost in 18 innings. This went to 3.30 in the morning, 3.45 in the morning, longest postseason game in history. Um, but what about you, Chris? What were you thinking about Nathan Avoldi's performance? Well, to me, like like Dave mentioned, sometimes it can break a team. I mean, especially something like that where like he gave it his all and they just they unfortunately lost. Um, obviously it doesn't matter now, but it's kind of like the Astros. You go back to them in that home run call, that home run call literally broke the Astros. Um, <laughs> at least that's what it sounded like it did anyways. I can't speak to whether it did actually. Um, but it sounded like it did. Um, so y- you need something like this to happen every once in a while. Um, and hearing about this it, and like Dave said, showing up, everybody showing up and being like, yeah, I want to pitch tomorrow. I will today, later today. I want to pitch. I want to start. I want to start. And then Nathan Eovaldi going out to the bullpen in game four, like like the psychopath that he is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like <laughs> like he, he, just, he was just like, I'm going out there anyways. Like that's it's it's it speaks to what the team did all year is really what it does. Yeah, it was. It was so tenacious. It was so gutsy. Rick Porcello even said he cried. Like, he was shedding tears watching Nathan Avoldi pitch or afterwards because the dude gave it everything he got. My goodness. And he's coming off Tommy John. Like, what did they put he in said his two elbow? two Tommy John surgeries. Two. Yeah. That's like, did they just replace it with, like, you know, titanium? <laughs> that would explain a lot. That's how he got to 103. Did you, like, see, the, did you see the quote from Cora where he was like, he was like, yeah, his agent's oh, going to kill, kill him or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so, in this game, Jackie Bradley Jr. also hit a very clutch home run. You knew I had to say it. You knew I was going to mention this. Uh, JBJ in the eighth inning, uh, he already had his ALCS MVP reign, but in the eighth, he continued his heroics. There was a lot of questions about if... Uh, 
Bradley should be in the lineup because Benny actually got sat the first game because it was National League. J.D. Martinez had to flock to the outfield. And there was a little bit of criticism. Should Jackie Bradley Jr. be in here over Andrew Benatendi? And Alex Cora put JBJ in there, and of course it worked. JBJ was the all, like really the only offense in this uh, in this parade for the Red Sox outside of Eduardo Nunez, like almost dying for that run in like the 13th inning. So yeah, this JBJ homer meant a lot. I don't know if you guys, you know, we're, we're trying to keep it positive, so I think we'll stray away from Ian Kinsler's slander right now. Is, is that okay with you guys? Because I know we had our fair share on Twitter. Yeah, I, I want to actually, there, Ian Kinsler's not listening to this, but all of his apologists out there, I want to issue an apology. Uh, Kinsler made a bad play, no one can deny that, but I was very mean to him on Twitter, and I do feel bad for how mean I was, but most of that has to be due to it being 2 o'clock on that era happened and me having to stay up an extra hour and a half because of it so that is why i was mean to ian kinsler you know bad play but you know dude's human my favorite my favorite thing that my favorite thing that came out of this game was at midnight in la they all said the whole crowd started cheering and i'm sitting there thinking to myself i'm like they need cameras in living rooms across new england so that they can (laughs) see all of us sitting there like dead tired at three o'clock in the morning watching this game (laughs) Yeah, I, I yeah, that, like, that was adorable watching the Dodgers fans think they're tougher staying in a game like till, till midnight, midnight when they normally I mean in, to their credit they normally shuffle out around the seventh inning so this was a big deal for them but come on yeah it's yeah it, it, that that was nothing compared to what we had to suffer through I actually fell asleep like like Chris did in game one I fell asleep a little bit oh, there oh the, uh, bro bro I, was, <laughs> I, I, I fell asleep too. Yeah, I, oh, I, I, was, I, was, I was asleep for a good hour and a half, two hours there. Oh, okay. Me too. I, was, I, was like 30 <laughs> I saw every pitch of that goddamn game, okay? That, that Walk is a mile in my thing. shoes. Chris, that is why you were Chris, best. He, he does Chris it with loves no his sleep. sleep. That's what it is. Chris I loves his sleep. Too. Dave, I swear, I feel like you sleep, like, how many how many hours a night do you sleep? Ten we seconds. Five typically, but I can go a lot less than that if I need to. Jeez. Okay. He, sleep, he, he trained himself in the ways of sleeping with his eyes open for 30 seconds at a time or whatever they do. <laughs> no, sleep is so boring. I mean, you're alive for 80 years, give or take. You really want to spend a third of it, like, lying down, like, just <laughs> to sleep? True. No, you, there's too much time in the day. If I, mean, I didn't it's have pretty, to sleep at it, all, I wouldn't. It's pretty I, comfy. I agree. It's pretty comfy, though. Yeah. And, and I, dream, dreams are pretty great. Yeah, I some pretty, I have some pretty cool dreams, and you know, it's keeping me, it's keeping me from making them a reality. But I have some pretty good dreams sometimes. <laughs> and I, it was really because I fell asleep in the top thirteenth. Like the Red Sox had gotten the run. I saw the Eduardo Nunez thing, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, but I'm, my, I'm, I'm fluttering. Like, I'm, I'm coming in and out of consciousness. I'm seeing these Nunez like just bust his ass and like almost die a couple of times, and like I'm like in. Am I dreaming this? Is this real? And then I get I get to the I make it to the bomb thirteenth. Avoldi comes on the hill and I'm like, it's two to one. You can let this happen. When you wake if you fall asleep, you wake up. It'll be okay. It was not okay. It was not okay. <laughs> I woke up and it was two to two. I had to like go to the replay. I saw Dave's tweets on our post socks unfiltered account just ripping Ian Kinsler and I was like, Oh god, what did he do? And then I saw it and then I was ripping Ian Kinsler. And uh, yeah, it was it was hey, it was fun. Hey, uh, hey, hey! I already hey. told you whose fault it was that we had to stay awake until three it's o'clock Jackie in the morning. Jr. Yeah, it's it was. Fault. We, yeah, th- this, we could have just game lost a normal one nice, nothing game. Exactly. For Jackie, and we would have been able to say, "Well, 
Walker Bueller, he he did his thing. That that's you know he went up there and he shoved it for yeah. for seven innings. Get and, him next. Time. Yeah, get him tomorrow. But no, 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 no. We, Mr. JBJ over there had to come up and be like, I'm gonna hit one over the fence. Uh, like the jerk. Yeah, he, that he almost is. got Eduardo. He almost got Eduardo Nunez killed. Like watching the, watching the watching the extra innings, I thought Eduardo Nunez was like you know the subject of like baseball's version of Final Destination. He was literally he was literally that could like, go wrong with the guy. He was literally like the crash test dummy. They were just like, we're gonna test out all these weird things that could happen to somebody. But that's what yeah, he, went Derek, he went Derek Jetering into the stands. The catcher flipped him over and like dropped him on his head, and then like the freaking mound attacked Nunez, and he almost died on that. <laughs> that that's what happens when you only have Drew Pomeranz left in your bullpen. People are willing to die. That's I thought Drew Pomeranz might be playing third at the rate it was going. Did, did you hear the thing where uh, Chris Sale wanted to go out in the field? No, oh, you didn't no, hear about God, that. No, I missed that. No, Al- I did not. Alex, please, please just relay. Alex, that, that is such I, a Chris Sale thing. I can't though. remember who it had is. it either. It was a tweet, and they, uh, the person said that Alex Court was talking about how Chris Sale was like standing in the dugout. He was like ready to go out and play. If I think it had it had it gone like another inning, Alex Cora was going to put him out in the field to play. Oh, no, oh my God! He he, yeah, no, he was he was going to. He had like his spikes on. And Chris Sale kept looking at him and looking at him, and then like the uh, the seventeenth inning or something like that, I think it was. So, he looks at he looks at Eddie Dallas Cora. like, all right, if it goes to the next inning, you're gonna you're gonna go in and play. Do you know where he's gonna play? Was he like third it was, base? It was gonna be outfield. It could Brock, have been third. He's a lefty. Brock he would have had to play. Like, had, oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah. It was it was if Nunez had to come out. That's what it was. If Nunez then had to come out, uh, Brock Holt would have come into third. Oh, okay, that makes and sense. And he would have gone out in the outfield and just hung around out there. God, Christian Vasquez. All right, so now, now I'm convinced Evaldi in, intentionally gave up that home run because you know Chris I don't Sale. want Chris Sale playing left field when he can hardly pitch. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I don't think anyone so wants yeah, to see that. So uh, yeah, more points for Evaldi right there. I was looking impressed by Christian Vasquez at first base. I mean, to not like totally screw up in what six innings he played at first. That was decent, yeah. I guess. He made one good scoop. I saw like his first play ever at first base. That was kind of impressive. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on to game four. Does anyone? Do you have anything else to say? Game three. I think we covered that pretty in depth, right? So yeah, this was fun. a. Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. This was a nine-six victory, um, much better than the night before. Brought the Red Sox a three-one series lead. Eduardo Rodriguez had to make the start because. Because literally no one else could besides Drew Pomerant. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this started out looking uh, like the Red Sox were to momentum. It looked like last night had taken out a lot from them, or last or that very morning. Um, Yasiel Puig hit an th- epic three-run home run, which will never be remembered at all because they, you know, did not win it. <laughs> they did not win the game. They did not win the series. So no one will really remember it. But it was 4 nothing into the seventh. And then magic started happening. Two walks later, um, JBJ was pinch hitting for Vasquez, got the out. But then Mitch Moreland, Mitch Moreland came in to pinch hit out of the pitcher's spot. And wow, a three-run shot. Like, that came out of nowhere. This offense was dead to rights, not doing anything. And all of a sudden, Mitch Moreland hits a three-run jack. And I'm so pumped up. Like, I didn't expect it. And, I mean, it was off Ryan Madsen, who I'd been heckling for a while, so I kind of did expect it, but I, I didn't expect 
That, uh, was, that wasn't even like a that wasn't even like a cheapy home run either. That thing was no. like that was like a bomb. Like jeez, I was like that holy right. Yeah, that thing made it into a different time zone. It's probably still yeah. going. I, I, I'm not convinced it landed. I'm Legend really... tells us it still sails to this day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that especially because Moreland had been struggling a little bit offensively um, for the last maybe three months. Really, since the yeah. All Star break. Yeah. Since the All Star break, it had been a while. That was wonderful to see. That was first half, Mitch Moreland, because. Again, like you guys said, that was not a cheapie. And that put us right back on the map. And then Steve Pierce started his his uh, World Series MVP campaign with a game-tying solo homer in the next inning. My boy, Steve Pierce, what did you think about this game-tying homer? What were your reactions? Dave, let's go. Give it to me. So I, I, I was still riding the high of the Moreland one because we were just so dead in the water the whole game. I didn't really have much hope for us you know, being able to put up four runs in the next two and a half, three innings. And, you know, Moreland hits the three-run homer. I'm like, oh, my God, there's life. Let's go. Let's go. And then Pierce comes up, and I'm like, oh, my God, we tied it. We tied it because, you know, I, I should have learned my lesson by now because this team, it just, no matter what the situation was, this team just didn't know the meaning of the word quit all year long. There were so many ridiculous situations where we found ourselves in situate games we had no right to win and we just pulled some magic out of our butts and we'd pull it off and we did it again this team just it, it was stacked full of talent and it was stacked full of guys that could just change the game at a moment's notice and who more often than not did we love ourselves some steve pierce chris what was your reaction steve pierce for president yes 2020 campaign let's make it a thing Maybe we'll he, maybe he needs to start for mayor first. Mayor of That's Boston. usually how these things go. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, did you see his, um, right someone updated his? Somebody updated his, his Wikipedia, Wikipedia page. Yeah, he <laughs> he's owns. already the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers and the and mayor. The mayor, of LA, right? Yeah. So you, you know, yeah, really, he's the, internet, there, the internet. Works, yeah. The internet works. The internet works way too fast. Just so saying. Wikipedia <laughs> updating works way too fast but and just so yeah, you know Steve, um it's actually scientifically impossible to write a lie on the internet so it's true Steve yeah Abraham Pierce Abraham is the mayor of los that. angeles yeah Abraham yeah. said that yeah so yeah i read that on the internet yeah me too <laughs> yeah and then the red sox just kept scoring runs um in the next inning the ninth they tied it up 4-4 um brock holt hit a clutch double down the line we love you brock star then Raphael devers dave's boy um, his boy on offense, your boy on the mound, David Price, uh, he hit the single, um, the go-ahead single. And then Steve Pierce, Steve Pierce, Steve freaking Pierce, hit a three-run double, crush shot to right center. And my gosh, that that's basically it, 9-4. Um, and then Craig Campbell gave two runs. Kind of made it interesting, Kiki Hernandez, screw you. But the Red Sox won game four. Uh, any thoughts on that ninth inning? Just rampage that offensive. Just any any thoughts, Dave? You know, you just felt like maybe we did it for the ratings. Maybe you know Fox called up Alex Cora and said, "Hey, you can't finish this thing in four games and not even make any of them competitive. What, what's that do to us?" So I, I it just like this team took you know eighteen to 20 innings off, and then it just went back to being the monster we saw for the other 175 or whatever games of the year. It was just a thing of beauty to watch, and it's just a reminder that, you know, 
these Red Sox, they were the best team in baseball throughout the regular season. They're the best team in the postseason, and they're the World Series champions. We're the freaking World Series champions. What about you, Chris? Do you think that happens if Chris Sale doesn't become a lunatic in the dugout? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, right. Forgot about that. No. How did I we miss that? Yeah. We, <laughs> that's important. That's but why Chris, I'm here. That's why I'm yeah. here. Good for you, Chris. Helping out a fellow Chris. Yeah, Chris Sale just went uh, ballistic in the dugout after the seventh inning, sixth inning, when the Red Sox hadn't scored runs. They were afraid of him. He was yelling. He was mad, telling them to pick it up. And they picked it up because they were scared of Chris Sale, like most rational human beings would you, be. You know what was funny about that? People showed – there was – I saw the, I saw one a video that – they took. Remember when David Ortiz in 2013 had that like that little huddle thing happen? Yeah, it was basically the same thing. Except, except the players didn't huddle around Chris Sale. They were all like, they were That's all like, They were literally trying yeah, to keep a distance. Because this is the dude that like cut up some jerseys. He's a psycho. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, I feel like I feel like the, the best aces are sociopaths. Like, they, are. they have to be. You have to have something a little wrong in the head in that order dude, to like. The, and he does, and I love it. Yeah, that dude has a screw loose, maybe two. Uh, <laughs> but he, he gives Chris a good name, so I can't really yeah. say bad about him, you know? He's a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think Joe Kelly earlier this year even said that he's a self-proclaimed sociopath when uh, during the Yankees game on the uh, Section 10 podcast. So Yeah, yeah. He, he literally was like, he was like, I blacked out. I blacked out. <laughs> I just blacked out. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. But yeah, Chris Sale really seemed to have a positive effect on the guys. I mean, like it might just be convenient, but you gotta uh, wonder how many of them were thinking, "Well, Sale, you pick up an effing bat and do it yourself." He's the pitcher yelling at you, you know. And and I guarantee you, he said, "Put me in the freaking game, and (laughs) give me the bat." (laughs) And you know what? I'm I'm not convinced that him and Sandy Leon would have much different results. Yeah, no, probably not. Probably not. so, any other thoughts on this game before we roll it to game five? No? I'm good. I think I'm good. Game five, the World Series clincher. 5-1 victory. Your Boston Red Sox are World Series 2018 champions. Um, this game started out with uh, none other than a Steve Pierce two-run home run. How else would you want to start a World Series game? It just seems fitting. And, and you know, it... Price was on the mound. He we, They had the surprising decision to put um, Price pitching game five instead of Sale. I think we all agree that there's probably something health-wise with Sale that deterred him from making that start, and they went with Price instead. Nevertheless, David Price pitched also. He went seven innings, gave up zero or uh, one earned run with a home run to Jock Peterson. Or no, was it Jock Peterson? Who cares? Okay. Who the freak cares? Yeah, I don't care. But uh, he gave up that one home run. And then the Red Sox, uh, Mookie Betts, who had underperformed this World Series, which is weird because the Red Sox dominated throughout the postseason without their best player, you know, playing anything remotely resembling himself. So that was interesting. But Mookie Betts got his first postseason home run in this game. It was not a cheapie. It was a long ball. And J.D. Martinez, who had been struggling in the World Series, I think he's probably favoring an ankle thing too, um, hit one straight center line drive, beautiful thing. And then Steve Pierce, again, this was the game of the home run. Steve Pierce, again, hit another home run. My gosh, that's three home runs in two days, four extra base hits in three games. I don't even know how many RBIs. Wait, let me do the quick math. Six, seven, seven RBIs, 
Someone want to fact check I think that? seven. Yeah, he had. Yeah. Two, yeah, seven. Seven. Near. Yeah, okay, cool. So seven, seven RBIs. Um, Steve Pierce was named ALCS MVP, but, or no, whoa, 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 World Series MVP, World Series MVP. But before we start that, we got, we got to talk about, we got to talk about David Price's start. I know we just glorified his game two start, but this was even better. Dave, walk me through this David Price start and and your reactions. If you want to know what 31 million a year over seven years looks like, watch this World Series, watch game five and watch what David Price did. You know, he gave up that first pitch home run, and you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. But then he just absolutely locked down the he just locked down the Dodgers right after that. And really, if you look, going back to Game 5 of the Astros, what he did against arguably the two best offenses in baseball that weren't the Red Sox, he pitched 19-plus innings. He gave up three runs over that time, striking out 14, I believe, and walking five guys. That's just unbelievable. Uh, it's I had to have to research on it, but I haven't found any Red Sox pitcher who'd had three starts of being that good in the postseason. It's just, you know, anyone who says he can't pitch in big games, anyone who says, you know, he's not up for the challenge was just proven wrong. And I don't think there's been anyone in Red Sox, maybe not in all of baseball, who's had to deal with more like criticism and slander than David Price over the last three years. And he just put it all to bed by putting Pablo together. Sandoval. He deserves that. <laughs> he does deserve that, doesn't he? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely support all the sentiments you just said with David Price. That would, Like, this postseason must have just been such a weight off his shoulder. This must have, like, he was crying in his post-game his, his post conference um, after the game, and that was awesome to see that Price get that moment. I feel like all Red Sox fans, even though they probably were the ones slandering him, had to feel good for the guy because he put his heart and soul into this. Uh, what about you, Chris? What did you see from DP24? Uh, he is good. Yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all, what that, I'm talking about. That, that is literally all you need to know is that he is good. Because he, he I, 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 I think, personally, and this is kind of spinning off into something entirely different, but... Oh, boy. I think I love it. So generally when pitchers hit the age of like 30, they generally lose a little bit on their fastball, correct? Usually, sometimes. Yes. The generally, generally speaking. Generally speaking. speaking, they definitely do. Yep. And what Price was was a thrower, not a pitcher. I think over the past couple of years what we saw was David Price trying to learn how to pitch. And pitch without the velocity? Yes. And, I, and okay. I think I think that and, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do some uh, I, I, I promised myself that I would actually write about this. I, I just haven't yet. I, <laughs> I think I think following Chris Sale a lot like he was last year, um not not really last year because he was kinda hurt, but this year when he followed Chris Sale, I, I I get the feeling that his his velocity, his dip in velocity after Chris Sale's out there with 98 down everybody's throats, he comes out and he's throwing 94. It's a four mile an hour difference, so it looks like softball practice to the to the um, hitters. Slow, yeah, slow pitch softball for them. So yeah. I think that's part of his struggles, and I think David Price is smart. The dude's like wicked smart, um, and I think he he learned how to pitch and he learned how to take a scouting report. And I have no evidence to back this up at all. 
Um, I, I have ev- I actually, I actually pulled up some evidence. I, I, I heard I heard from somewhere. I don't remember where it was that he like he kind of changed up how he pitches to people. He, he um, absolutely did. Yeah, like he got he away was, from the fastball. He was pitching. Like, he was up. pitching inside a lot. And cutter. Yeah, yeah, he was pitching inside a lot, and now he went like away. I could be wrong, but I, he, he also um he did a lot of stuff different this year. Just to add on to that, back um after that one Yankee start uh, in Yankee Stadium, the one in July on sun, on Sunday Night Baseball that went so horribly, he basically reinvented his whole mechanics. He uh, started pitching from the first base side of the rubber. He did all sorts of. Uh, <laughs> different different things i think he changed his uh release point in his arm all sorts of stuff it worked for a while and then heading into the astros game game five he was warming up in the bullpen game four he said he found something else and he started releasing the ball more from a true north instead of a like three-quarter release i believe is what the what he said in an interview and that just was the difference for him he credits that for his uh strength success in the last three games and he seems to have found something like you said, the fastball velocity has been down, and he's definitely learned how to adjust around that. Now, heading forward, I think he's either going to be like a better version of CC Sabathia, who had a similar thing happen, or he could just be like Justin Verlander, who for a few years there lost his fastball and then just found it again. And if Price can get his fastball back and like be a more intelligent, smarter pitcher, I mean, I think he could go back to being a Cy Young guy, similar to what you've seen Verlander do over the past few years. Yeah, uh, here, here, the thing about Price's velocity dip is, it, and so in 2017, it was 94.3 miles per hour on average, and then this year it was 92.7. Uh, he threw the fastball a lot less this year, too, from 58% to 46%. But I think the main difference between those two numbers, you have to account for the fact that he pitched a good, not a good chunk, but a chunk of that out of the bullpen where his stuff, where stuff was allowed to play up, thereby skewing the average fastball data. Now, the year before his Boston, he was 92.9, which is not far off from his 2018 92.7 average. That's a slight discrepancy. But to Chris's point, um, his first year in Boston, he came from Detroit. and There's Detroit, right? He pitched 94.2 miles per hour on average. So he has lost about two miles. And this year, he's really gone away from the fastball, especially in, from years past. He's favored a cutter more, um, which I feel like all the Red Sox pitchers, like you think he's got a mean cutter. Uh, Nathan Avoldi's got a mean cutter. I feel like all most Red Sox starters just live in, not, kind of are really getting into this cutter usage, which would be an interesting thing to write about in the offseason. But he definitely went back to the change of 222.2% of the time. That thing was nasty. It was really good in the postseason. So, yeah, David, all, all credit goes to David Price. Another wonderful start. Anything else on the David Price talk? I think we're good. David, David Price is good. Dave, Dave, David Price is good. Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to talk about about Steve Pierce. Um, he won the World Series MVP. So when Pierce hit his second home run, I tweeted on the Bosox Unfiltered uh, Twitter account, which you should follow us at Bosox Unfiltered. Um, I tweeted there that Captain Steve Pierce has officially clinched the World Series MVP with that home run. I totally forgot. I mean, I didn't forget. I knew, but I didn't think David Price was going to be in contention, but then like I got tweets on the account saying, you know, it's gonna David Price is right there. Are you just gonna make that sweeping declaration? And I was like, oh crap, I'm an asshole. Why did I just yeah, say that? This could go wrong. Five seconds after, I didn't even know that you tweeted it. <laughs> I, I tweeted out 
after Steve Pierce's home run, I said, Steve Pierce and David Price are really making this a battle for World Series MVP. We've done that a couple times this World Series where we're like, yeah, we, we contradictory if people don't know there's If people don't know there's two people running the account, they just think like we have a serious personality <laughs> disorder. Do. Yeah, and I, I think, I look, I, I try to put it in the bio, like it's run by you and I, but there's not enough room, there's not enough characters, <laughs> and I don't know what to like delete. Like, I think... Uh, we'll talk about this maybe later, but I think we've like, got, got an off season to do managerial yeah, stuff. So I, I think it's important that people are beginning to understand that there are two people running this account. So to avoid this in the future. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Steve Pierce then won the World Series MVP, so I didn't have to look stupid with that tweet. Um, and I thought he would just because uh, he he just his slugging percentage was over a thousand in the world series it was over a thousand that's better than a really good hitters ops in a regular season so yeah Pierce definitely performed well but i want to ask you guys if you thought he should have been the world series mvp uh chris i'm gonna start with you this time no oh okay tell me why uh drew pomeranz didn't pitch oh you're right i forgot about him yeah, he, he's the mvp for not coming out of the bullpen seriously <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. <laughs> Who else can you give it to? Seriously, I don't. I don't know. I he, don't know. He, had he come out of the bullpen, this would be an entirely different series. So MVP <laughs> Drew Pomeranz, give him the participation trophy, send him on to free agency or the Sun. Give him the re- give him the red truck. <laughs> give him yeah, give him the truck. Give him yeah. uh, give him give him the hero treatment. Never has to buy another beer in Boston. You know, all that good stuff. No. And uh, now to go off to the sun. Yeah, it was so I thought I thought Steve Pierce was was the guy. I I don't know. I, I like I, I really I really enjoy what David Price did and I I liked what he did and I, I loved that he kinda like, you know, sacked up when he needed to kind of thing. Um, but I just for a starting pitcher to um win an MVP without, like, a relief appearance or two. I, I just, to me, it's like, all right, cool, you, you went out there and shoved it two games that you could have in the regular season as well or any other time, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, yeah. I, I feel like on on a stage like this, had he come out of the bullpen once, I would have given it to him. But he did come out of the he bullpen. He came out game three. Did he? Yeah. He pitched, like, he got uh, one. Point two, innings. point two, he, point two that, innings gave up a uh, weak hit, was that and then the, Kimbrell took over. That wasn't the really long game. That was yeah, the eighteen inning game. Yeah, was it? It's probably it might have been. Did I fall asleep? Did I fall asleep? I was asleep. Oh, look at that! You know what's you know what's funny is I was looking at that box score. That box score is something else. Like I was looking at it, and my God, that thing is a mess. Um, <laughs> did you see like what it says for Mookie? Yeah, Mookie is right field, center field, right field, center field, right field, center field. It says right same field. for Jackie too, but it says yeah. center field, left field, center field, left field, center field. <laughs> and then JD Martinez, right field, left field, right field, left field, and then he came out. So and then Brock Holt went second base, left field, yeah. right field, left field. Yep, that was crazy. <laughs> Could you imagine if you're actually keeping a freaking scorecard at the stadium? So, like, so, I hope people don't still do that, but for for that reason. But like, if you're keeping a scorecard and you have to keep making those switches. Holy crap! That's some I just give like up. a Da Vinci code. Yeah, like my God, you can <laughs> decipher that thing. There's not enough room. Better right. bring a pencil. So, so I take everything I say back. Dave Price should have been the MVP. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what about you, Dave? I, 
I mean, I can't argue Steve Pierce getting M- MVP. He was amazing. It was a great performance, and he had some incredibly clutch hits, and he was great throughout the whole series. But my vote would have gone to David Price just because I think, like you know, Pierce is great. But I, I I'm an, I'm kind of old school in the sense that I value great pitching over great hitting. Maybe it's a personal thing that I like watching great pitching more. But you know what Price did was really nothing short of phenomenal because his game. Game five, he pitched on short rest. He, uh, you know, pitched game two on regular rest, but did great. He came out of the bullpen game three, and he was warming up for game four. He could have gone into that, too. Um, really, I think the best course of action should have been if they'd gone co-MVPs for Pearson Price, because really picking between uh, picking between them just feels so wrong, because they're both so fantastic throughout the whole series, and we wouldn't have won it in five without either one of them. I, ha- yeah. I have an important question if they did the co-MVP thing. Who yes. gets the truck? The joint custody. Split it into two prices. <laughs> <laughs> there I, you go. They cut the truck in half. One of them gets the bed. Yeah. One of them gets the cow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, for, for me, I also agree that it was really tough to pick between Steve Pierce and uh, David Price for this award because both were very deserving. I think if David Price had gone nine innings in that game, he definitely would have won it. Um, I also think that there was a knock on Price. Um, the only knock on him was that his strikeout and walk rate were not that great. Look, I don't know. I don't even know who awards the World Series MVP. Is it is it the commission? Like who who actually? Random, is, random people vote. Like random baseball pe- prospectus people. Like no, do they really? Is, baseball perspective. It, it is there. There are a few like baseball elite people that vote for it. Like, I don't know who they are, but. I think there's like ten or so people that just you know hold the fate of the world in their yeah. hands. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I didn't know that. But um, so they have a stat. I forgot where I saw it. Mike. I think it's baseballgauge.com. Um, win probability added is the amount of wins added to your team, and they track it um, at the baseball gauge for the World Series championship, which I don't know if they do on Fangraphs in the playoffs, but um, they did a baseball gauge, and it was for the series. And uh, Steve Pierce added 1.96. For context, the next closest, I believe, on the Red Sox was about 1.01, and I think that was Joe Kelly, and then David Price was like 1.00. So if you look at it from which moments mattered, obviously Price pitched more. Um, I mean, he uh, well, obviously pitched more than Steve Pierce, but um, he was more involved in every out-out, if that makes sense. He was more involved in the plays because, you know, he retired so many people compared to Steve Pierce only got a few at bats and some defensive opportunities but in those opportunities Steve Pierce added so much wins they were so important that you can actually quantify it and the gap between Pierce and everyone else was so stark that to me it was it's got to go to my captain my captain Steve Pierce and price pitched awesome and he did amazing and for the narrative man that maybe he should have gotten it but Steve Pierce my boy the certified Yankee killer you are forever in my heart, and I can't wait to resign you. And that's my take on that. So, one last thing I want to ask you before we wrap this thing up: um, Chris Sale, Nathan Avoldi, um, were both warming up. They were both warming up uh, in the eighth inning of this game. They went with Joe Kelly in the eighth. Joe Kelly, also awesome, loved that guy. Now I love him in the postseason. We we were not. We probably weren't all big fans of him. No one was a big fan of Joe Kelly before the postseason, but. 
who do you think should have came in the ninth? Chris Sale or Nathan Avoldi? So, Dave, I'm going to start with you. Or Chris, you go. You, you got so, something to say. So, it wasn't just Evaldi and Sale. Barnes was out Barnes there, too. too. He, was he was, like, standing, standing up the side. I, yeah. know. I was like, what? all three of them were like, I'm getting in this game. I, it, You know what? I, I, I swear. And I, I, I wish I was there. I bet Chris Sale was like, I'm going in this game. Like he he's just like, like he's like he's like, like you all. Hey, we're going he probably he probably looked at Evaldi. He like, probably would have eaten you had, Pomerantz alive and left his corpse on like the <laughs> like the bullpen I mound think, as a warning to the others. <laughs> I think I think they should have put Pomerantz in. That would have been hilarious. Uh, just he closes out the, the last oh, the, the last out of the World Series. How fitting would that have been for twenty eighteen? <laughs> no, no, honestly, honestly, terrible. I would have I would have loved it. Had they gone like one out a piece, just to, like. Just to, like mess with the Dodgers, like that would have been hilarious. Uh, but I, I think I think Chris Sale like willed himself into that and like looked at Evaldi and was like, "You already had your moment, dude. Let me have mine." Uh, that's, so that's what I think happened. Well, what about you, Dave? Yeah, I think going Sale was the right choice. Obviously, like I love Evo for what he's done. It was he had a fantastic World Series and. He like I like we said earlier. I think what he did in Game Three basically powered this team for the next two games. But this is Chris Sale's like this is Chris Sale's team. He's the ace of the staff, and he's been pitching through the postseason through a shoulder injury that's probably really really messed up. I'm not looking forward to dealing with that over the off season. But you know, Sale deserved to be the guy on the mound to close out the game. He couldn't get the start, but he got he got the finish. And I'm just you know he deserved it. Evaldi had his moment in the sun, and he got, and you know, he deserves, he he deserves the glory he gets. Sale deserves the glory he gets. Price deserves the glory he gets. It was a very fitting way to end it, and ending it with Machado striking out with it oh. falling to the ground, like that was just perfect. Did like that, that that slider just like broke that was me. nasty. That was vintage. Did you see the um, tweet where someone just like Manny Machado's body on that play actually looked like a K. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone just put a red K over him, and it was perfect. Oh, that was the best way to end that. That slider was lethal. Sale was absolutely dominant. I think both would have been good narratives. I wouldn't have been mad with either. But, yeah, Sale hadn't pitched in a while. He deserved to get in there. Um, and then, Chris, we saw the uh, – I hope all of you guys saw the video of Chris Sale's dad dancing uh, shirtless after the game. That was pretty cool, too. Basically – Runs in the family. Runs I, in the family. I, I hope we all saw the video of Rick Porcello doing naked uh, cannonballs. Cannonballs, oh, yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was just glorious. The Red Sox are your freaking 2018 World Series champs. Guys, do we have any departing thoughts here? Dave, do you got a departing thought to wrap up uh, the 2018 World Series Boston Red Sox team? I just want to say, you know, it's been a been a hell of a ride. First year for Red Sox Unfiltered, and we win a World Series. Just want to say thanks to everyone for listening, for reading our articles, following us on social media. It's been a blast, and I can't wait to, you know, keep it up. We're going to have a great off season. Just because the Red Sox stop doesn't mean we do. We're going to keep on spewing out great content and get ready for 2019. Yeah, and Dave never sleeps, so he's going to be cramming out articles at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. It's going to be great. Right, Dave? Three's a little early. Yeah, three's a little early. Yeah, Yeah, four or five. Uh, What about you, Chris? What what kind of departing thought are you going to leave with these elated Red Sox listeners? So I have a message for ESPN. 
Oh yeah, they're they're listening. Yes. Oh, they better be. <laughs> they better be listening to me. Come on, I'm important. Um, so they tweet out a way too early 2019 power rankings oh, today. Oh, they they're put, fourth. They put the Red Sox fourth. Let me tell you, ESPN, that the Boston Red Sox are going to come and shove that right down your throats because I don't know if you noticed, but the teams, the three teams that you put ahead of them, trolled the Red Sox, trolled them, and then got stomped by them, curb stomped by them. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they come in for ESPN next year, and uh, somebody needs to uh, let the freezing cold pigs guy know about this one. 162-0. Yeah. It's happening. It's yeah, coming. It's uh, coming. Know. Uh, you know what? One one. Come on, Dave. Be real with yeah. it. Yeah. We'll probably, of course, uh, conservation strategy. We probably won't try that hard once we clinch it in June. So Exactly. Uh, I actually just looked up who the article was written by because I saw the article. It was David Schoenfield, who's actually a pretty good writer sometimes. So this, uh, who's this... actually a pretty good writer sometimes? <laughs> That's a compliment. <laughs> so this is mean. What the hell, man? But the Red Sox have the best odds to win the World Series, according to Vegas. So we have that, and we have the actual World Series, you know. And yeah, I wanna, I wanna basically say what Dave said. Thank you guys so much for listening to Red, or the Red Sox Unfiltered podcast, for reading our articles on RedSoxUnfiltered.com, for following the Twitter account, for enjoying this awesome special season with us. Because without you guys, this wouldn't be possible. And, you know, this has been a great season. I'm glad we got to share it together. We're going to be back for an amazing off offseason. Uh, I think, as I said, free agency will start November 2nd. So that's already exciting. And uh, options will, I think, all have to be figured out before then. So there's a deadline on those. Red Sox have Nunez. Um, they have David Price, who uh, probably will stay 99% likely. Nunez, Nunez already opted yeah, in. Yeah, Nunez opted in, basically. So he's here. So. Uh, Pablo Sandoval will also be... Pablo Sandoval will also be back with the San Francisco Giants, in case anybody cares. Good. Well, Hanley Ramirez will not have his vesting option exercise, in case you guys were worried. So there's that. And for that, I think that's going to do it for the 28th episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, on iTunes. And uh, shout out to our affiliate, The Grueling Truth, who posts our podcast, disseminates them on many media contexts, like Spotify, like Stitcher. Uh, and iHeartRadio, among others. So go check them out. And, of course, go check out RedSoxUnfiltered.com. Go check out our BowSoxUnfiltered account. We have a Facebook page. That's on the low, but that's getting some traction. You can just type in Red Sox Unfiltered. Pretty dang easy. But, yeah, guys, thanks again for everything. Um, we'll be back hopefully next weekend or this weekend. Wow, we, we've been doing these on a Monday. Uh, hopefully we'll be back this weekend with a first basically off-season episode. Um, until then, guys, just keep celebrating. Douse yourself with alcohol. This has been the greatest ride. Enjoy the parade on Wednesday. Um, if you're going, have a great time. I wish I could. But, yes, thank you guys for everything. Thank you, 2018 Boston Red Sox. Thank you, Alex Cora. We'll see you guys next time. Actually, you won't. Bye, guys. <laughs>